I'm Jack Rearson, I'm the MD for Stoke-on-Trent South and today I'm hosting a virtual summit. I'm bringing together some of Stoke-on-Trent's manufacturers, particularly in the ceramics industry, in Staffordshire Chamber of Commerce and also at my fellow MPs. Many parts of our industries have been affected by COVID and today I want to hear some of the challenges and work together to come up with a recovery plan which I hope will, we can then take to government to inform government about the things that we need to help address it. Thank you to all the participants for taking time out of your schedules to join us today. And we have Phil Atherton from Port Merion, Jason Sims and Andy Tooth from Heraldic Pottery in Duchess, China, Tony Kinsella from Lycidian, Sarah Williams from Staffordshire Chamber of Commerce, John Cameron from Steelite, and also my two fellow Stoke-on-Trent MPs, Jonathan Gullis and Joe Gideon. You'll be able to watch the summit on my website at jackbreaton.co.uk and you'll also be able to listen to the entire conversation on my podcast, Jack Breaton Radio, which you can find in places like Spotify and Apple. So without further ado, let's start with, uh, if we could go to Phil first from Port Mary. And it's been a tough few months, a global pandemic hit us suddenly, and as our city begins to restart slowly after COVID crisis, can you tell us a bit about the specific challenges that you've been facing at Port Mary? Certainly, Jack. We, we, we faced, obviously, a number of challenges, like everybody else uh, on, on the screen um, are facing, but I've categorised them into two segments, which is logistical challenges um, and commercial challenges. And logistically, obviously, areas like social distancing, government guidelines, making sure that our offices are safe, making sure that our warehouse is safe have created lots of challenges for us and obviously we're still working to a two meter distancing rule wherever we can which means that we've had to maintain quite a number of employees on a furlough scheme because we literally cannot accommodate them in our buildings so that's obviously created a a huge challenge we've done a very good job through both HR and the factory teams implementing those social distancing policies but we have not been able at this stage to get everybody back into the business. Secondly, commercial challenges. Again, I think everybody on the call is fully aware of the reality that most of the world's retail estate has been closed down. They're starting to open up. The footfall is down probably around 50% is what we're seeing where we have footfall counters in, in brick and mortar stores. Um, and we think that will continue certainly for the rest of this year. And we think that will likely spill over into next year. So commercially, we feel as a business and an industry, our sales will struggle because of the fact less people are going into bricks and mortar, even though the online element of our business is increasing significantly. So we we face a number of challenges, but they're the main two that really affect us from a productivity and commercial perspective. Thank you for that, Phil. Jason and Andy from Heraldic and Duchess, what sort of things have you been struggling with? Obviously, you only recently, not too long ago, uh, bought out Duchess China. So have you been seeing some some difficulties recently? Echoing what Phil just said there from uh, Port Marion, that obviously we're very much linked to the hospitality and kind of retail trade. We've kind of found that orders we had on have kind of not been cancelled, but been either put back or reduced in size, which obviously impacts on obviously your kind of sales orders, which sales orders are linked to your staffing levels. So it's, yeah, it's a tough kind of balancing act of bringing staff back to your order situation. You know, we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with, you know, a lot more inquiries and people asking, are we open? 
which is all good. But again, what Phil said, it's you know it's going to impact for the rest of the year and probably into the first quarter of next year, which you know we've got to try and react to and try and make the right decisions at the right time. Now going on to to John from Steelite, is there anything particular that you've been? I know that you've had uh, lots of challenges with COVID nineteen. Is there any specific things that you have been struggling with? Uh, it is commercial mainly. Uh, the month of April, our orders were seven percent of what they would normally we expect them to be. Although that has improved as, as, as markets exit um, uh, lockdown, there's still a lot of uncertainty. You know, we supply the global hospitality industry and the global hospitality industry has been massively hit by COVID. The other challenge that we've seen in particular in the UK market is uh, the inability of distributors to uh, settle our bills. So it is a, a challenge in terms of generating sales and it's a, gener- and it's a challenge collecting the cash from those sales that we, we made prior to the lockdown. So those are the two, uh, two battles and ultimately cash is king when it comes to running a business. So we, we have a, a, you know, a large factory which is set up to make around 400,000 pieces a week, a significant level of fixed costs. And at the moment, the orders are, are such that it doesn't make commercial sense to keep the factory, you know, for the factory to be operating. Although, you know, we can do it at a much lower level, but it's still inefficient. So moving on to Lucidian and Tony, have you had any particular challenges and specific challenges at Lucidian? Yeah, thanks, Jack. The, the biggest one for us has been the lack of ability to travel. Uh, a good deal of our business is, is international. So the inability to get on a plane to the Far East and especially to the USA is a great difficulty for us uh, in terms of the face-to-face. Zoom is wonderful, uh, as is Teams, but you don't really trade and you certainly don't do R&D. And then picking up Andy's point, really, cash flow. Uh, I think one of the great issues in the UK is payment terms. You know, people pay when they wish, despite any interest penalties. So that inability to enforce organisations to actually pay. We've had about half of our people furloughed at maximum. We're, we're getting most people back now. But yeah, so cash flow and travel have been our, our great issues. Thank you for that. And moving on to Sarah from the Chamber. What sort of challenges are you seeing amongst your members and wider across Stoke-on-Trent and Staffordshire? I mean, I think they've been basically categorised by what everybody has said. I mean, I think that we are increasingly seeing um, cash being the major issue. People worried about um, uh, cash flow, not least because there is a rise in the number of um, suppliers who are wanting pro forma invoices payment. And therefore, there are no orders. There are the issues about getting the cash in from the orders that have been delivered. And now people are asking for money up front uh, to to supply. Um, And I think that's going to create an even greater tightening on there. And I know the government have been looking at uh, you know, what they can do about late payment, but actually late payment in some cases is not where we are at the moment. It may, may become an issue um, later, but it is one of the, it isn't there at the moment. And then the other thing which is, uh, everybody has touched on really, the uh, difficulties of working shift patterns, the difficulties of uh, getting enough people in the, the, the factories in manufacturing to uh, make enough goods to start to generate and, and fill orders is, is a real issue. And also we're now seeing with those people who are more office based, productivity went up dramatically during lockdown, but everyone is very tired of Zoom and Teams and, the, and this way of working. And we, we have started to bring people back in um, simply because people need human contact and there needs to be some different way of working. And none of us have the management techniques of knowing how to really develop a proper agile workforce if we're office based. So I think there is a whole range of those sorts of issues which are now coming to bear on businesses. 
I have to say one of the things that I have spoken to most people have said is that just how tired they are now, really tired, and how that is now affecting how they are, you know, decision making and, and everything else, because this has been a very intense and difficult period for everybody. Thank you for those points. And now to Joe and Jonathan, are these the sorts of things that you're hearing from your constituents as well? Should we go to, to Joe first? Thank you, Jack, and, and thank you for organising this. Very, very much so. And I think um, it, it's, it's certainly a challenge. Um, one, of the, one of the big things that's been raised is cash flow. So I think that the challenge of confidence in uh, the recovery and in the economy, you know, getting back to whatever the new normal looks like, it, it is affecting business quite significantly. And I'm not sure what the, the answer is, but I'd be very interested to hear from businesses if they can suggest ways in which government can possibly help to, to get the, the, the confidence in cash flow and, and you know, I recognise that, that at a time when they're struggling, pro forma payments is not ideal for any business. So that would be a, an interesting one. I think points Sarah made about everybody being tired. Um, I can uh, relate to that totally. And I, I, think, I think most of us can on this call. Um, so it is that thing of people recognise that being, being furloughed and um, working from home and all these things don't represent um, a holiday for anybody. We, we, we actually do need to re-energise somehow. But I think, you know, I, I hope that over the summer people are able to, to take a little bit of a break because, you know, I think everybody needs it with the confidence that, you know, the autumn will look positive. I'm not sure how we get that confidence. So that, that really is a challenge. Let's hope that, that Christmas does come this year. You know, I don't underestimate the challenges we face and, and any, any solutions that, that come from local businesses, you know, I, I'll be very happy to pass up to government as well. I'd share the, certainly the, the challenges of juggling priorities and certainly with a toddler and trying to do uh, Zoom and uh, Teams at the same time is, is sometimes uh, very challenging. <laughs> John, Jonathan, any thoughts that you have particularly on from what you've been hearing from, from businesses in your Well, first of all, I've not had the pleasure of having my little one yet during August, but I'm I'm sure Zoom will uh, become interesting when I've got a crying baby behind me and I look like, you know, bags under the eyes. In terms of business, look, I've I've stayed in touch with with John from Steel Light regularly and I've stayed in touch with Mark Sinclair from Churchill China and others in the constituency. And I think that supply and demand is clearly the the big issue. And we've seen that in Europe, they are coming out of lockdown uh, sort of ahead of us. They seem to be opening up quicker. I think John would say um, that orders outside of the UK are slowly increasing, but the big issue is the UK market is is flat on its face. I'm delighted to hear that the online presence is, uh, is, is going okay. And actually, that's something that we can probably try and negate in the short term. But it shouldn't uh, ever think that we're going to somehow move from the retail hospitality sector straight to online and somehow that will uh, smooth, smooth over everything. There's going to be challenges. I suspect the big issues for us locally is going to be the fact that until orders hit 75% probably of those 2019 orders that were coming in, there's no point having 100% of the workforce. And this is the, the reality of the cost of COVID that's hit our area. And we know industrial places like Trent are going to face more of a battering than other parts of the UK, which is heartbreaking. And I know that no decision about letting workers go will ever be made lightly. These, you know, I know John has done the maths multiple times to see how we can try and keep as much of the workforce and uh, as possible. But the reality is that we're, we're facing a global pandemic and until the world starts to heal, 
I suppose the US trade deal is a huge opportunity. Look, John works at Steel Light with a US-owned uh, company. With those 28% tariffs on tableware, if we can get those down drastically or even to zero, that would suddenly open up opportunities for all those businesses here on the phone call. The EU trade deal is, of course, important. And, you know, Jack and you know this and Joe as well, we're committed to making sure that we have tariff-free access for ceramics. It is the sensible thing. It works in the interest of the EU and the UK. And I would expect to see that uh, happen and be negotiated and allow us, obviously, those free trade of goods to still grow. But I also think that we need to look at creative solutions. And I've had chats with this with John Cameron from Steellight. You know, we have the Ceramics Valley Enterprise Zone, which I know would require an act of parliament for the government to, to change. But there's an easy, quick win for government in terms of helping these businesses become part of that in the short term as they get back on their feet and any of the benefits that those enterprise zones bring. So thank you, everybody, for sharing all those challenges. If now we can go on to what you think the government can do and other authorities can do to help businesses and industry as we progress through the recovery stage. So first, if we could start with um, maybe Steelite and John, what, what thoughts do you have on what sort of solutions government and others could offer? Ultimately, it's about, as Jonathan's alluded to, supply and demand, and we've got to get the demand out there in the market. So opening up the UK hospitality, but it's about getting the confidence of those people going into, into restaurants, pubs, that it's safe to do so. So I think the government have had to do a, a job in the last three or four months to discourage people from you know, getting together. There's still a job to do in terms of managing social distancing, but we've got to get the confidence back in people get out back on the high street and whether it's you know whether it's retail whether it's hospitality they are all linked and, and that is something that needs to be worked on the, the other area for me well there's, there's certainly tax breaks we need to encourage people to buy british at the moment we're still and we've talked about the trade deal with the eu and, and, and further afield and that can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because that can allow with the free movement of goods goods coming into the country from abroad and and different businesses have different business models but that certainly gives more options to people in, you know, in the hospitality industry and, and that does provide its challenges you know we have legislation here things like national minimum wage we totally understand and abide by that pushes the cost of our production up you know unfortunately in today's business people make investment decisions more looking at the short term it's not about the cost over a five six year window it's about the cost in a year or two years and that's something that we repeatedly come up against and trying to justify the, the more expensive cost of our product well actually over four or five years it is cheaper to purchase that but people don't see that when they're looking at a one and a two year window. So if we move on now to, um, and thank you for those points, if we move on to Jason and Andy, is there anything particularly you think that government could be doing more or things that others could be doing to, to support you at this time? The biggest thing that kind of graced us uh, as we went into lockdown was that government were giving out rate grants to smaller businesses, as in one-man bands who were getting because their rateable value was less than X amount, and given them grants of like £10,000. We own three factories, which were all come over a 25,000 square foot threshold, which next thing, we don't get anything. We're linked to hospitality, we're linked to retail, but as manufacturers, we don't, we don't see that kind of savings. So where people were getting these £10,000 grants, we sit here as business being chased by the Circumtrend Council for non-payment of rates and you we closed our factories. So where's the support there for SMEs to the larger businesses? No, I definitely understand those challenges. In terms of Fort Marion as well, Phil, what sort of things do you think that government or other organisations could do to support businesses like Fort Marion? 
Well, I know we're not there yet, Jack, but I think an extension to the furlough scheme to the end of the year would certainly help because that 75% of sales of 2019 that people talk about, certainly what happened this year and even early next year could be difficult. How quick do you think things will pick back up? Depends on how long the virus lingers for, of course. Um, but I'm hoping by early to mid-21, we'll see an element of normality. I think we'll still have to have certain restrictions in place, but hopefully by the middle of 21, we'll be seeing uh, things go back somewhere near normal. I also think free trade agreements are absolutely critical. Obviously, the American one is, is, is critical, but uh, around the world, wherever we can, a free trade agreement is very important for a company like ours, where we export to 74 different countries. So any help on that side is uh, welcome. Uh, what, what sort of things could we do to help Lucidium? Just thinking about the wider the ceramics and, and uh, hospitality industry, could we be innovative? Could we stimulate the market? We've had in the past a scrappage scheme for cars. Could we have a scrappage scheme for, for ceramics from the government? Short term, get a fund. Could we have buy a plate for a, a mate, buy a plate for a date? Uh, something that links to hospitality uh, and, and starts to stimulate both sides. You know, these guys need demand in the short term. I, I totally agree with that. And I think the fact that we have the best quality products in the world, you know, we need to be making sure that people know about that and shouting about that because we need to be saying that these British products that we make in Stoke-on-Trent are um, of a high quality or of, as you're saying, it's an investment. Um, as uh, John said, you, you'll be saving because you'll have a product that lasts much longer that's of a better quality. We've got plenty of examples of of going to government agencies and, and, and seeing products made abroad. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that tone has certainly got to come from the top. No, I'd, I'd agree with that, definitely. And, you know, we need to see all our government departments using uh, British ceramics as well. Was there anything further that, that you wanted to say, Tony? Sorry about that. Just saying, finish off on the scrappage and the, the buyer plate for a mate. The waste goes into Johnson's tiles, so it lowers their costs and it improves the environmental. So there's a... A virtuous circle. It's a good message in this. For me, you know, that there's a short term, the medium long term, we've got to regenerate the city and we've got to regenerate the area and traditional ceramics are a huge part. You know what I'm going to say? We need to focus on technical ceramics as well. We need to make this the centre of the world for the future ceramics. So silica, you know, making those, those devices and silicon. You know, the universities want to work on gaming and data. So let's look at making the devices for the future. We don't need QI. Uh, we can actually make 5G devices in this, in this county if we set our minds to it and collaborate. So short, let's go innovative and stimulate the market. Medium, let's regenerate a new industry. And Sarah, do you want to give a bit more detail on some of the things that your members are thinking about what could be done to, to help them and support them further? It's always a problem coming last, isn't it? That everyone's <laughs> having good stuff first. <laughs> yeah, I think that I would just on ceramics, I think there is a need that there is a, I'm picking up from what Tony said, a recognition that you know, Stoke-on-Trent is the centre of a long-standing industry. We hear, you know, whales and steel. So why is there still a gap in how people think that the potteries are somehow dead? So I think one of the biggest roles is that to say that this is a centre for ceramics, to re-establish that as part of what happens across the city um, and to, you know, say that this sector is not finished. We are fighting and will carry on fighting as we always have done and that needs to have a 
real championship um, around it. I love the idea of the by British um, approach as well. I think that is really important for something along this. And again, I know that in government procurement, they're looking at how to implement and what the definition of social value will be in all government procurement. So again, I think this would be a really good way where you could say buying British is part of social value. It's quite an easy slogan that would be able to be adopted and would be clear to anybody who is then buying um, goods and services uh, in government. We've been really surprised. So as you know, we do all the export documentation for um, trade across uh, Staffordshire that's outside Europe, not all of it, but most of it. Um, our export documentation is down 20% from last year. It went through the floor, obviously, in April, but has gradually been picking up. We think it's going to stick around this sort of level, but it is interesting that so many people are still trying to export. How do we compare to other, other areas in terms of that trade and the, the potential for, for more trade? We're slightly better. Our export documentation has recovered faster than some of my colleagues around the country. So they're working at about 28% down and we're, we're 20% down. So it's, it's nearly 10% difference, which is quite significant. I saw some, saw some good figures as well on the support that you've been offering and the access to the services. You, you were very high in the, in the region, weren't you, I think? Thank you. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are we're the best international trade team across the West Midlands. So um, in terms of that, we, we're very proud of that and have great brand recognition that, that this is a place that you come to. And obviously we work hand in glove with the Growth Hub on developing that. So we're, we're, yeah, thank you. Um, that's good. And one of the other areas that has come up quite a lot is about trade credit, the impact that uh, people having, for example, loan holidays, various other taking advantage of grants that this may have on trade credit in the future. And it's, an, it's a sort of unregulated area in lots of ways. And I think that it's something that government should look at about how credit rating and trade credit organisations will deal with businesses as they seek to come out of this and may need to access other sources of funding. And I think that's one of the things that's come up quite a lot recently, as has all insurance, that uh, there are a lot of insurance companies that seem to have seen this opportunity of thinking that there are greater risks in the economy and the environment and slapping on uh, surcharges and that obviously is a cost that businesses have to bear and uh, is, it seems unfair that it is rising at the moment. Um, I would agree that the furlough scheme needs to be reviewed and looked at and it would be great if it could be extended and I think it is now about, I mean I think the government has done, done a great job in acting quickly and responsibly on a number of schemes really early on. The problem is now it's the nuances, it is the smaller sectors that are going to struggle or the, the, some of the smaller companies that are going to struggle it's some of the niche sectors that might start to need to be looked at in more detail so I don't think it is a particularly one-size-fits-all and that's why I think the government need to listen very closely to what local authorities and the local enterprise partnerships are saying about what matters to their local areas. I'd agree with that definitely. Sorry John did you want to say something? Yeah I was going to say you you make a point about support for the hospitality industry and support for the retail industry which we saw in March and April but as as suppliers into that industry we actually qualify for very very little and I think the same is probably for a few other people on the call. So you know we supply 100% into hospitality but did we qualify for any of the, the rate support? No. Um, because it because we're a manufacturer, we're two or three times removed from the end user, and so if we do, we are talking about an extension to the furlough scheme, and that is industry specific. Absolutely, the hospitality industry needs that furlough scheme to allow it to you know continue and and, and survive. But that has got to come back two or three levels to the supplies into. into. No, I agree. And that's in a way what I meant by the nuances that mm. need to be looked at now. That there was a sort of blanket, let's solve a whole range of issues. And now it's actually who is being affected? How do we, how do we help those? And I think it does go much deeper than in some sectors. 
than it has in the past. And I agree with you entirely. I think the hospitality sector needs to be looking at, look at, looked at in its entirety. And, you know, we have a lot of the issues with some of our uh, food producing companies and the issues that they've been having as well. So, yeah, I think it, I think it, is, it is much wider and I think manufacturing needs to be, be looked at uh, in the light of those sectors which are really struggling. No, thank you for that. I, I think certainly with those suppliers to hospitality and retail, they're probably more likely to have a longer term impact and need that ongoing support because of potential lag of any impact that will be felt by manufacturers like the ceramics industry. So moving on now to, to Joe and Jonathan. Jonathan's already given quite a few of his thoughts on, on things that need to be done. Joe, is there anything in particular that you want to, to, to add to that? John and, and uh, Sarah made the point very well about that we need to look at the supply chain uh, to hospitality, not just the, the sort of end users of hospitality uh, in terms of supporting furlough. That's a, a really big issue. I think, I mean, Tony made a, a really good point about the value of uh, traditional ceramics and the future of ceramics and and we're heading and that we are the leader of advanced techniques uh, is a really important one. I just wonder whether we should, as well as always raising it with government and and every opportunity in the chamber shouting out Stoke-on-Trent, I think people are sick of us doing that. But I think maybe to take that wider, you know, maybe we should think about having a a festival of ceramics, which basically, you know, summarises not just the history, but, but where it's heading because I think a lot of people, I mean, certainly I, when I, when I first came here, didn't realise just how important ceramics is to advanced manufacturing in so many different sectors. And, and I think that uh, a greater awareness of that might actually lead to greater investment and support for Stoke-on-Trent ceramics. No, I certainly agree that, you know, quite a lot of... Um, whether it be ministers or whoever else in, you know, Whitehall or wherever, you know, they don't realise, I don't think, how critical um, the industry is for, for so many other sectors and how it interconnects with so many different sectors, really. Um, is, is there anything further, Jonathan, you wanted to add? First of all, I want to say I, I love Tony's passion for his advanced ceramics and absolutely backing that. And his talk of tech, I mean, Silicon Stoke and ceramics go hand in hand in, uh, in what we're trying to achieve in this city, which is not only boosting ceramics, but also ensuring that we uh, grow jobs for the future as well. As we know, technology is going to be ever increasing. And if you go to Steel Light, it's wonderful that they've got people on the shop floor who are designing and building machinery to be used, which was a, a brilliant thing from my tour with the Secretary of State. And I completely agree with what Joe said. Education, education, education needs to take place about why ceramics is so important. And I know, Jack, and you're, you're too bashful to admit how much you do. But, you know, I know you've worked incredibly hard to try and get procurement in government departments in the past and the silly civil service teams to stick their oar in at the last minute, which means that it's something that we need to instantly resolve because... How is it that I can go into a ministerial department and pick up a mug from China? It's just not right. It should be from Stoke-on-Trent. We should be promoting what Britain is about. This area is about ceramics. It's history, but also it's future. And advanced ceramics is certainly a way forward. But also with the um, VAT, I think we can reduce that. I'm a low-tax Tory. I won't shock anyone when I say we should bring VAT down. Corporation tax, when these companies make profit, should go down to 12.5% so they can compete on a better playing field and therefore ensure more profit stays in the pockets of the business owners who are responsible. And then finally, what we've got to do with this Buy British, Buy Stoke campaign, and I love Joe's idea about like a festival of ceramics, is how we can make sure that we get the relevant people to, to pay attention. And look, it was we were very close to having the Prime Minister coming to Stoke-on-Trent the week we were then shoved into lockdown. 
And if we, and I obviously have, I've not let him forget that he owes us a visit. And I think it's so important that he comes and sees ceramics and listens to business and actually attends a round table like this for as long as he can. So he hears the sector specific support because, you know, if we don't support hospitality and I'm talking about manufacturers in hospitality, like John said, with steel lighters and Churchill China, then we're going to end up with not just the hundred or 200 job losses that, you know, are sadly having to be made. We're going to be talking about 70, 80% of workforces. And that just puts this city back further and further with a city that let's not forget, as Jack pointed out in the German debate he did recently on education, 12% of our workforce has no formal qualifications. That's 8% above the national average. We're talking about people being stuck if it isn't for ceramics. So it's not just socially, it's not just culturally, but it's actually people's livelihoods on the line here if we don't get it right. I'd like to know as well on the Buy British campaign that we uh, obviously want to, to bring forward. How do particularly our businesses think that could work and how do they envisage it, um, it working? So Tony first. I, I do think both, you know, at the, the festival, we've got to get publicity, haven't we? But it's got to be not a complaint. I think we've got to go out and be positive as Stokies and talk about, make it fun, make it enthusiastic, make it, as I say, something about, Buy a plate for a date, buy a plate for a mate. There's a great media message that we can get in there and engage people, putting some money into a plate that will get them a discount in hospitality that will actually make it newsworthy and actually get the whole city on the national news. So let's go for something fun and innovative while we've got hands out to government as well. But let's not just do something worthy. Let's go out and be fun. John, how do you feel that it could work in terms of steel art how, how do you think a buy british campaign would work for you anything that encourages made in britain will be beneficial to us as a business you know every single piece we make you know sell with a steel art backstamp is made here in stoke-on-trent so you know we're mm-hmm. fully supportive of anything that will support made in britain and you know my view is that without wanting to go on about sort of government procurements yes it would be great if steel like we could produce and provide products for the government departments but if it's not us and if it's someone else based in stoke contract then fine you know some of the ideas that tony's suggested and that's quite a good light-hearted way of, of promoting stoke and getting people back out in the hospitality venues and eating out and that can only be beneficial for all concerned moving on to to uh, jason and andy how do you think we could build this campaign and sort of build momentum behind a campaign to, to to buy British and encourage people to to support industries like yourself? We think it's, uh, we're, we've already been kind of working on it, uh, that we want to be proactive with the kind of heritage that we possess. And uh, we want that to be something we're, we're proud of, our staff are proud of, and, and people in Stoke-on-Trent and the UK are proud of. We are very much trying to be proactive in and promoting this heritage size of the business. So I think that would be good for everybody, really. And if we can all follow that, rather than having kind of cheap imports coming in. I think that will be a, you know, by British is, a, is the way forward. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Is there anything from a Port Merion perspective, Phil, that you'd, you'd like to add to that? I think, Jack, when you look at examples of best practice, the British farmers and the red tractor campaign they did, mm-hmm. so people recognise straight away that if you're buying something that's made in Britain, it's got a little red tractor on. Mm-hmm. If we could create something like that for Stoke-on-Trent manufacture or made in the UK manufacture in our industry, I think that would really work. I think there's been a lot of people who've been stuck at home through this period, whether that's home working or furlough, who really have probably looked at the place, inspected the place and thought, you know what, this is pretty poor for what I have. And really, this is the time now to take advantage of that, in my view, to say to people, look, you know, change your place. People are going to spend more time at home. Let's make sure we create some kind of campaign with an ambience that gets that emotional attachment to people. So they do start to change their plates. They start to look at their mugs. They start to look at their cupboards. 
And I think the heritage is a really good point. You know, if you look at Stoke-on-Trent, there will be thousands of years across just our companies on this call. We've got 270 years in Royal Worcester. We've got 250 years in Spud. You guys have also got lots of heritage. Somehow we should include that in a campaign to make it really exciting. So talk about the history, but also the fact that we're modern and we're trying to change the world in terms of catering. So yeah, I'm very keen to take part in some kind of campaign of that like. Very good advice there. And Certainly, you know, moving forward, we want to obviously create uh, ambition for the city and bring forward some ideas about how we can transform uh, the future of, uh, of Stoke-on-Trent. So what sort of thoughts do people have about where the industry is going and what it will look like moving forward in the future? Sarah, do you want to start on, on that? It's, it's a, a heritage industry with a fantastic future that is trying that is modernising and that has got so many applications and you know we all I think one of the things that we've, we've learned in lockdown is that we actually all like to eat quite a lot and it would be quite nice to do more of a uh, more of a celebration of what you eat off as well yeah. so I think there is a whole uh, different way in which we can approach some of that I think the other bit is again linking it a bit more to government policies I think it will be really interesting to see with the house building and the plans for house building how the the buy British and buy 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 the stuff that you need in your house from Britain British manufacturers could be played out as well as a sort of national campaign because we know that house building is one of the things that does create demand as people move into new homes does create demand for different bits of the ceramic sector so I think there is something about how we can do that and the idea that you know you move into a fantastic modern home with great broadband access and what have you got on your table you've got beautiful ceramics from Stoke-on-Trent I think it's part of that sort of linking it to the fact that this is a timeless industry Um, I think that uh, Overall, I think it's undoubtedly true that the uh, sector will probably be the smaller um, in the future. Uh, but I know from my contact with and um, working with lots of companies that they will be uh, increasing their productivity. They will be more efficient. They will be investing in low carbon and energy efficiency uh, in order to make sure that the sector can can survive into what is going to be some more challenges that we're going to come, which is around climate change and low carbon. I think that future for the sector and the industry is bright but we've got to get through a bit of a cloudy patch to start off with. Certainly you know I have huge ambitions for where I hope that the industry would go. My ambition is that we get towards a billion pound uh, GVA uh, per year which I think is achievable if if we can get over as you say this cloudy patch that we're we're in at the moment. I think you know whilst there might not be as many people uh, employed as the industry in the industry as there once was I still think that you know with the opportunities we can potentially produce more than we've ever done in the future moving forward. Tony, did you want to, 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 to give some thoughts on, I know obviously you do a, a lot of uh, the work that you do is related to, to technical ceramics. What thoughts do you have on where the future is going? Yeah, I, I think everyone knows. You know, I, I do see that the future is going to be around technical ceramics and, and you know, 21st century, so involving digital and, and, and the making. And actually, it doesn't mean we don't have a traditional industry. We just repurpose some of that. And most of the factories that make uh, traditional ceramics could start to make some part of of, uh, technical ceramics. So it's not about diminishing them. It's about repurposing. So for me, the the, the line is we need that marriage of silica and silicon. The silica for making and the silicon, which is the the designing of the materials. 5G, aero, you know, I've spoken plenty of times about the impact of technical ceramics and aerospace and, and healthcare. It pervades, it enables just about everything we do in our lives. So there's a really big campaign we need to have, I think, about 
informing not just government but but the uk public about the the importance of ceramics in our life and then finally short term let's ask for some match funding for a scrapping scheme and you know buy a plate for a mate in terms of your thoughts jason and andy where do you see the industry going from effective from heraldic and duchess living in the creative counties as staffordshire we're very much about um, as i say not forgetting a heritage sort of using that as a as a platform but we, you know, we're constantly working on uh, new product, new shape. We employ a, a modeler, Gordon Brooks, who's very talented. We employed him obviously when Dodson's um, went. So yeah, we, we're kind of looking forward. I think again, difficult times. We're not having the sort of a cash-rich company to be able to do these things. That's that's the big challenge. So kind of doing things on a bit of a shoestring, making a bit of money, reinvesting the money and moving it along you know interesting points like with tony saying great ideas perhaps even if we could do something with um, a bit along the uh, the biennial type thing we obviously get you know the major producers involved in there We're trying to bring like you say bring somebody you know some work into the city that way i share it but again it, it all involves funding money it's a bit uh, a bit sparse currently with everything else that's going on so but we're positive you know as, as you know jack we're doing a lot of things with yourself and um we feel that uh, we can, if we can start here, we can get to the British buying our product and we can sort of grow it from there. And um, in terms of Port Merion, uh, Phil, what uh, thoughts do you have of where uh, Port Merion's going in the future? I, I feel, Jack, this is a good opportunity and the right time to probably reset how we um, approach things. We'll probably never get a better opportunity to do that than right now and uh, I know we talked earlier about bricks and mortar still being critical to our industry and it really is the retail trade but online is becoming increasingly um, important in, in our industry but everybody else's industry and uh, if you look around the world the, the kind of numbers that are going through e-commerce not just because of lockdown but because of the consumer trends this has accelerated things so as a, as a business you know we recognize that online is just as important now as offline However, we'll still continue to support all our retail partners and continue to build our brands and our product ranges. And uh, we have to look at things slightly differently from a product development perspective. Much more modern, appeal to those younger generations coming through. We've got all of the heritage brands, but we need to take them and interpret them into a much more modern approach, which, which we're in the process of doing and people will see that in the future. So yeah, we're still excited about the future, even though we've gone through some very difficult times and we do feel we've reset ourselves to a certain extent already, but we'll do a little bit more of that and then really take it to the next level so a bit like Andy and his team you know onwards and upwards from our side of things. If we don't act now and obviously you know the industry's always been evolving what what do you think happens if we don't? We could be invaded by European manufacturers who may have lower cost to serve the Chinese element could become even bigger so I think we have to react now otherwise I think we'll still be around in 200 years but we'll be kind of limping along whereas really we need to take the lead and I think one thing that the Stoke-on-Trent people are really good at is working together and collaborating. I think we all recognise we're competitors, so we're all a bit wary of each other. <laughs> at the same time, I think if you have a, a, an umbrella campaign, which is you know, made in Stoke-on-Trent, made in England, and underneath that, each company feeds into this, but also works on their own brands, then you know, you're maintaining that competitiveness, but we're also helping each other because people don't normally choose a Wedgwood brand over a Port Merion brand over whoever else's brand they have a particular like that they go after so whilst we are competitors we're not kind of head-on competitors with the same commodity we've all got our unique differences so uh, i think working together probably is something that we need to do better and i admit we haven't been great at that because we've just got on with our own thing but we should do that going forwards 
And John, would you agree from Steelite, would you agree with um, what's been said there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, any support uh, is, is is critically important. It's not just about the, the manufacturers, it's those other industries that supply in. So if the, the Stoke-on-Trent ceramic manufacturers captured cold, that will impact on all the engineering firms you supply in and that, you know, so... It's not just about us, it's about the entire um, support network and, and it's important that we retain those skills in Stoke-on-Trent. We've seen examples of those moving and moving to the Far East, which makes it harder for, for us to remain in Stoke-on-Trent and, and we certainly want to be here uh, and we will stay here. And it's mm-hmm. important that we've got the strong ceramic manufacturing uh, industries here still in the city of Stoke-on-Trent. And, and Jonathan, in terms of where we go as a city, what, what are your thoughts on, on us moving forward? So I think that uh, one market that's never been talked about is healthcare. And if we remember that ceramics was massively important to the healthcare sector, and then obviously single-use plastic came along and was cheaper, and of course it went that way. But in this challenge to net zero, I think we have a huge opportunity to kind of go ceramics has a place in the NHS. And if we could get ceramics in some way or other into, into that sector, well, we know the NHS is you know a national institution that we love and cherish, but is also one of the biggest employers in the country. And it would go a long way to helping in that regard. And I think one of the key things when we're talking about this by British, by Stoke-on-Trent, is, is how I phrase it, but I love by Stoke, by English, is the idea that um, if we, we've got to use videos as well, because I agree with everyone. Our history and heritage is so exciting. And I'm a history nerd, so I love going around Middleport Pottery and seeing what they do there. And I just think that if you look at Ben Houchen, the Teesside Valley Mayor, he did a video recently saying that we'll come back from coronavirus stronger. Really slick, really high-end, really quality video. I know Steel Light, John Cameron, did a, they had a video going out about what they do, about their exports around the world and about why their plate is better than, by, than anyone else across the globe. I think that was a really exciting video again. So I think videos and a social media campaign is absolutely critical to getting into the public conscious but also we know politicians are on social media i think that we've seen there that there's an amazing opportunity with social media campaigns to get into the british psyche about why buying british and and you know the british ceramics confederation have done a really good campaign about the dying safe i think there's a big bright future for us and joe just to finally on your thoughts of where we're going as a city and the opportunities for our area yeah so i'm really optimistic i think it's been a a a brilliant call to hear everybody's pragmatism, but also recognising that we need to take the lead on this. Uh, we need to work together. I love the idea of plate for a mate. I just wonder if we can get a celebrity endorsement like Robbie Williams. I think that would be brilliant. And I think we, we need to raise the profile significantly. We have this fantastic fusion of heritage, creativity and innovation. Uh, so I, I, I'm optimistic, like everybody else, that if we work together, we can really make it happen here. And, you know, some of these ideas are, are, are brilliant. We've just got to get on with it now. No, absolutely. That's fantastic. And thank you, everybody, for taking your time today and joining this virtual summit and for sharing the challenges and ideas and thoughts that you have about how we can improve, how we can address uh, the current challenges that we're facing. Um, I'm now going to write up uh, a short recovery plan and report for the ceramics industry and take some of these solutions to our colleagues in the heart of government so that we can support the industry and our area to move forward in the future. So thank you everybody. Thank you.